God was preparing to turn the world upside down in a way the world had never known and would never again know. Why would Jesus be born of a virgin? Because all the way back in the beginning, in the garden, when Adam and Eve first sinned, it's cursed that through us men, sin would come into this world. And no women, that doesn't mean that you're sinless, but the burden of responsibility for sin throughout the entire Bible falls upon you and me, guys. We are the ones held responsible. And the fact that Mary was a virgin sets Jesus apart. Unlike you and I, he will not be born into sin. He won't be born with the proclivity to do what is wrong. He won't be born with a natural inclination to always rebel and overthrow and reject what God has spoken. Like you and I. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. For those of you who are here today or joining us online for the first time, I want to once again welcome you. My name is Adam, and I'm the pastor here at The Point. I'm glad you could join us on this great Sunday. And for those of you in person, if you didn't notice on your way in or when you got coffee, there's some really adorable cookies that were made just for you that look like ugly Christmas sweaters. So be sure to grab one on your way out. There's some on the table back here and more by the coffee over there. I remember very clearly when I first found out that we were expecting our firstborn. See, we'd just gone on a vacation, sort of. It was a work conference, but I got to bring Laura along with me. And during that conference, we got to take a couple extra days at the end and go just relax and enjoy life. And, and one of the things we did was we went hiking up a really tall mountain and accidentally went the toughest route. And we're not prepared for that. And the entire time up the mountain, we're both huffing and puffing, but Laura significantly more than me. And we couldn't understand it. Surely she wasn't that out of shape. We thought this doesn't make much sense. We came home from that conference on that little mini vacation a couple days later. And she went right away and purchased a pregnancy test. And sure enough, her huffing and puffing was not because she was out of shape as much as she was pregnant. And we had no idea. And we were really excited. And it was so hard in those first few weeks not to tell everybody while we waited for the doctor's appointment to confirm it, to see a little picture, to hear a heartbeat. I just wanted to tell the whole world I was filled with excitement and little did I know just how much that one little boy would turn my world upside down. If you have kids, you know that before kids, life with kids is beautiful and everything's perfect and you're gonna be a great parent. And then as soon as you have kids, you realize kids 
are just a miniature version of all of your sinfulness. And so all of the things you do that are terrible get amplified in your children, even as little babies. And life with children is hard and very different than life before kids. But there's a time in my life where this news of pregnancy was less than exciting. And there's a time when I was not looking forward to it and wanting to tell everyone. You see, a couple of years before I met Laura, I was in a really unhealthy relationship that in no way was honoring God. She said, Adam, I think I'm pregnant. And I was torn. See, I worked in youth ministry at the time. I'd been working in youth ministry for eight years, teaching kids how to honor God sexually, how to honor God with their desires, how to treat God as foremost, even though I wasn't doing that myself. And now this potential pregnancy could have turned everything upside down. I was filled with fear, what will happen to me? What will happen to this relationship that I'm not actually that committed to? What will happen to my job or to the kids I've been loving and serving for years? And that news of pregnancy was terrifying. And nothing about it was joyful. Now in hindsight, I look back and I'm very grateful for that moment. It turned out she wasn't pregnant and that was a sigh of relief. But for me, that moment of facing the unexpected where the whole world was upside down and probably really bad in my mind, that moment freed me to say something needs to change. Today, as we dive into scripture, we're gonna look at yet another story of a pregnancy that turned the whole world upside down. One that could have been and probably should have been fearful, but there was great joy and peace in that pregnancy. If you wanna follow along, we'll be in Luke chapter one today. We were in Luke chapter one last week. This is the next story in the book of Luke. If you've never read Luke before, Luke is um, writing a eyewit- an eyewitness account of Jesus. Luke himself wasn't there directly, but he'd heard directly in eyewitness accounts. He had been traveling with the apostles and the disciples, and so he writes not only this book, he also writes the book of Acts as the continuation of the story of the people of Jesus. And Luke, he's writing here, and one thing that Luke does from a literary perspective that's kind of fascinating is he often tells the same event or similar events back to back two times. And it's not always the same thing happening. Sometimes it's just another thing that looks very much like the previous. But he intentionally pairs them together to show us something new and something wonderful in what God is doing the whole time. So if you recall last week in the first part of this chapter, there's this miraculous account of a couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, a couple who are old in age and have no kids. She's been barren for years and though they're doing everything right, they can't have kids. And into this pain and into the shame and into this dark place they're living in, God breaks in in a miraculous way. And Elizabeth becomes pregnant 
Now today, there's another account of God breaking in in a miraculous way, speaking through an angel to declare pregnancy that was to come. Here it is. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. If you are at all familiar with the Christmas story, you know what's about to happen, right? This virgin is a unique woman, somebody who's experiencing or about to experience something none of us have ever experienced. But in the same way that Luke set up the story for something really great, only to leave us with something that didn't quite fit and make sense previously, he does that here. There's a woman who's betrothed to be married. Now, betrothal is not something we really use or do a whole lot today, not in that language at least. So what does it mean that she was betrothed to be married? Well, in the culture at the time, sometimes it was because of family agreement, sometimes it was by choice. We don't know how these two came to be together, but these two were determined they would get married. And once you're betrothed to the other, the only means of separating would be divorce. It's not like today where if you get engaged and then later on you're like, that was a mistake, but you're not yet married. You can just like walk away and if you want, keep the ring or you could return it. I'm not sure the law on that one. I think it's been challenged before. But you could just walk away and there's no consequences other than the emotional pain of now this relationship's over. You're free to keep going. It wasn't so back then. You see, if you're betrothed, it's as if you're married. You just don't yet get the perks of being married. As I said a few weeks ago with the Sabbath, you know, it's taking a nap. You don't get to fill in the blank there. And so she's betrothed with this obligation she must marry Joseph. If you read in the Gospel of Mark, he describes this betrothal. And he says that Joseph was a God-honoring man who seeks to honor Mary even through the confusion of what's to come. We continue. He came to her, and he came to her, this angel Gabriel, he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. As I mentioned last week, anytime angels show up, it's usually terrifying in the Bible. And what we see here is she's not filled with this great fear necessarily, but she's certainly troubled. Something doesn't make sense. Oh, favored one. Or in other words, oh, blessed one. God is blessing you like you've never expected or believed. And Mary's troubled. What does that mean? How is God blessing me? What do you mean I'm favored? I'm just like everybody else, aren't I? How am I any different? Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob 
forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Gabriel, he speaks now to Mary, this one who is engaged to be married. You will conceive, and when you conceive, the son you're going to bear, you will call him Jesus. My wife and I struggled to pick out names for all three of our kids. It was really difficult. Some people, like, they know the kids' names that they want to name their kids long before they ever even have kids. For us, we didn't know Elijah's name until he was, like, three days old. We, they, they kept coming into the hospital, like, what are you going to name him? We're like, uh, we don't know. Okay, baby boy, we'll come back later. What are you going to name him? It wasn't as, until we were getting ready to leave the hospital that we finally settled on a name. It was a hard decision for us. Mary, she has it easy, right? The angel just tells her, name your kid this, Jesus. But then he goes on. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. A title reserved throughout the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, for God himself. In a monotheistic culture where they believed in only one God compared to the culture around them that believed in a plethora of gods. The title, the Most High, set their God apart and said, all the gods you believe in are nothing compared to the God we believe in. Our God is the greatest of them all. He's really the only true God. And this angel speaks, your son will be the son of the Most High. Not only this, but he will be given a throne, the throne of David. If you recall back in the Old Testament, David desires to build a house for the Lord. David is a king who honors God most of the time. And when he doesn't honor God, is brought back to repent and to come back and confess and to seek God again. And David is this mighty king. And one day he says, God, I think it's, Absurd that you have to be portable, that you have to dwell in tents while we dwell in houses. We should build for you a magnificent place, a place where all the world can come and see just how great you are, a place where all the world will know there in that place you're present. God speaks to David, you will not build for me a house. Instead, I will build for you a house. Instead, I will do for you something you can't even ask for. I will make your name, your family, sit on the throne forever. Oh. And now this son of Mary, he will sit on the throne forever. Those promises of the Old Testament will be his today. This is the news that Mary gets. His kingdom will have no end. As a brief aside, maybe you guys have heard that popular Christmas song that sounds really pretty depending on who's singing it. Mary, did you know? Right, you guys know that song? I just imagine Gabriel, every time that song is played on the radio, turning and looking at one of the other angels and be like, did I stutter? Like literally he told her what was going to happen. Of course she knew. Anyway. (laughs) Mary is confused still. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? 
Like, I don't know how much you know about biology, but there's a simple process that has to happen in order for a baby to come to be. Mary says, that process hasn't yet happened, God. Like, Gabriel, I, I understand God can do what he wants, but what do you mean I will conceive? There's this promise in Isaiah that behold, a virgin will conceive. She shall bear a son and his name will be Wonderful Counselor. His name will be great and will reign forever. There's this promise in the Old Testament that only through a virgin will a child be born. How? Or more importantly, why? Why would God do something so foolish and so weird and so confusing, so easily attestable to say, that's not real, surely that can't happen, it's never happened any other time in history. Because God was doing something that would never ever happen in history again. God was preparing to turn the world upside down in a way the world had never known and would never again know. Why would Jesus be born of a virgin? Because all the way back in the beginning, in the garden, when Adam and Eve first sinned, it's cursed that through us men, sin would come into this world. And no women, that doesn't mean that you're sinless. But the burden of responsibility for sin throughout the entire Bible falls upon you and me, guys. We are the ones held responsible. And the fact that Mary was a virgin sets Jesus apart. Unlike you and I, he will not be born into sin. He won't be born with a proclivity to do what is wrong. He won't be born with a natural inclination to always rebel and overthrow and reject what God has spoken. Like you and I. Mary says, how can this be? I'm, I'm a virgin. Like, there, this has never happened, God. And I wonder, for Mary's sake, how much she was wondering about Joseph and the conversation she'd have to have. Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant, but I promise it's not another guy's. I know how these things work. If it's not another guy's, either you're lying or something happened I don't understand. Which is more believable? I wonder for Mary, how can this be? If this was a question saying, God, I don't know what my life will look like if this is true. If the plans that you have for me are such, if this is really what you're about to do, what does that mean for the rest of my life and the days to come? Gabriel, then he replies in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel answers, how will it be that I as a virgin will have a child? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now there's a lot of debate. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit came upon her? 
I don't know in this setting, but anybody who believes that he came upon in some sort of physical, intimate way, just really far off and not so consistent with the rest of Scripture. So let's just leave that to things I don't know as a miracle and a weird thing. But what Gabriel speaks is God is going to do something to you that nobody else could do. And you know how you'll know this is true? Elizabeth is pregnant. This woman who couldn't conceive, who was past the age of conception, this woman who for all practical purposes should not have a child, proof will be in the fact that she is pregnant. If God can do that, surely he can do this. Then he continues. The the narrative of Luke continues in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. I love that. Upon hearing the sound of Mary's voice, this little baby not yet born in Elizabeth's womb recognizes that something incredible has happened. He leaps for joy. And Elizabeth recognizes something incredible is before her. Mary, you are blessed unlike any other. And because this fruit of your womb, this child in your belly is blessed unlike any other. Verse 43. And why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. See, right away she recognizes by the power of the Holy Spirit before Mary even tells her, I'm pregnant. I wonder if Mary had that like pregnant glow about her that a lot of women get. I don't know, but Elizabeth, she knows. Your child is my Lord. God, the one we've been waiting for. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth speaks to Mary, this child is filled with joy. May you be blessed for believing And I wonder what Mary's thoughts might have been. Now, we know a little bit because what goes on is she sings a song. We're not going to get into that too much today. But what I wonder is her thoughts at these words that were spoken. Blessed are you who believed what God said would happen, would be. See, I don't believe any one of us will be miraculously pregnant as a virgin. Probably not happening. I don't know if an angel will speak to you tonight in your sleep or will wake you from your slumber. I don't know how God will speak in your life. But I do believe this. This baby that Mary was carrying changed everything for you and me. The same joy that John in the womb was feeling you and I in this weary and exhausting world. We can have this joy too. 
skipped a verse I want to go back to. Verse 38. In response to the angel, Mary says this. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Mary didn't say, God, I don't understand this. Help me to understand. She didn't say, I need to know what comes next and how will Joseph respond. She didn't say, I need to know all the answers in advance. She simply said, let it be to me according to your word. 2020 has taught us anything is that our plans rarely go as we hoped for. And like a really small thing, I told you last week that there was rumor there'd be, you know, really ugly Christmas masks for this week if anybody wanted them. And our plans didn't go as we thought and delivery got delayed and they will arrive on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, you can have some really ugly Christmas llamas, all right? <laughs> our plans don't always go as we expect them to. Surely Mary did not wake up before this angel showed up and say, I think I'm going to be the one who is literally the mother of God. But when God speaks it, she believes it. See, whatever you're facing today, whatever way in which this world has beat you down and you're worn out and you're weary, you and I, like Mary, can trust that God is bigger and greater and better than any of the things we comprehend and any of the things we initially planned and any of the things we were hoping for. God is better. So when the world turns upside down, when everything seems not right and not the way it should be, when you find yourself worn out and exhausted, trust in the words that he speaks to you. In this baby who will become a man, who will live the life we can't live and die the death we certainly deserve and rise again for the living and the dead. This baby can fill you with joy and hope and peace. And so I want to leave you with a challenge. If your 2020 has looked exactly as you hoped it would, just ignore what I'm about to say. But if your 2020 has not turned out the way you planned, has left you questioning, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Where are you moving? What do I do next? How do I go forward from here? If your 2020 has left you confused, I want to encourage you to take some time this week and write out on paper all the things that you had hoped would happen this year. All the plans that haven't yet turned out the way you were planning. Then I want you to begin to go through them and ask, God, was this my plan or yours? And as you ask that question, I want you to ask this question. God, what is your plan instead? And if something comes to mind, write it down. Maybe you'll find that some of the things you had planned that didn't go at all the way you thought are actually better than you could have ever hoped for. But first you need to stop and seek. Maybe you'll find that God is still speaking today. No, you're probably not going to get miraculously pregnant because you're a virgin. 
and you probably won't be the the mother of the savior of the world. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say with certainty that's not going to happen. But maybe you too can believe what God speaks, can trust in his word against all odds, and in the midst of a world that's turned upside down, can find great joy. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, when our plans don't go as we had hoped, when things don't go as we desired, when you do something unexpected and surprising, especially when you do things that initially don't feel good, God, we pray that we, like Mary, can believe your word and trust Can we be like Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be given a joy that comes from knowing you are with us, Emmanuel? God, can we trust that your plan is better? And whatever this world may bring, whatever pain we may face, God, may the promise that your word is true and will always be fulfilled bring us peace. Bring us joy and give us strength for each and every day. Amen. As we continue to collect our offering, I want to invite Chris and Melissa up. They're going to share with you something that's on their mind. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I'm I'm Chris Foster. I'm Melissa Foster. Uh, We've been here at the point for, I don't know, seven years or so. And places that I serve, I'm usually either behind the, the audio board back there mixing or sometimes I'm in the band, they let me play, and sometimes they even let me sing. Um, if you've listened to the podcast, I edit that every week and, and push it up to the website for, for all to hear that. And one of these years, we may actually participate in an ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. We, I don't know. We're, we're, still on the, we're still on the fence with that. So we've served in several things with uh, Bar Church. Hey. Go ahead. <laughs> He's all ready to go. No, um, I uh, serve here, most importantly, I guess, coffee. You got to have coffee on Sunday morning. Uh, But I also am behind the scenes a lot. I do, um, I'm on the pastoral advisory and accountability team that meets um, and helps pastor with some important issues that happen throughout the church. I also um, lead a women's group on Thursday nights. Um, and have been doing that for several years. And um, I'm pretty much anywhere and everywhere that is needed on Sunday mornings. So that's why you always see me bouncing back and forth everywhere. So, and we together have served as a team in several places. Oh yeah, we've served uh, bar churches, um, the 5Ks. I've actually ran in a couple, I don't know why. <clears throat> also, uh, tattoo convention, we did that one year, and of course, the brew fest. And one thing about connecting or, or, or serving is not only connecting with the community, which is a great thing to do, but we've also connected with people of the point by serving on teams, like uh, Kitty and Ben. Hello, Kitty Yay, and Ben. Yeah, I hope you're watching. They're in, the, they're in the UP. They're the ones that sent us this cold weather this past week, so boo. Um, but we met them, we met Kenny um, from serving at Brewfest and, and several others. So, so relationships within the church have, have been begun 
all because of serving outside the church. So in this season that um, they have asked about cultivating community and friendships and um, this big campaign that we're about to go in that is a little bit different this year um, than the rent-free that we normally do, it's very important. And we're up here asking and, and really letting you know that your giving not only serves the community, but it serves us as a congregation to grow toward loving each other and more toward unity in in Christ, which is what it's all about. And so when you're um, when we have the funds to to do Brewfest and Bar Church and all of these. Um, special fun events that we think we're really cultivating these friendships and maybe even um, changing somebody's heart. And yeah, it would be great for our church to grow and every one of these seats to be, you know, filled with people every Sunday, but it's really about spreading God's love and with the funds that we um, are that we can raise here this season, we can change people's hearts. We can share that love. We can show God's love because you don't know some conversation that you have at a, a bar church or a brew fest um, maybe can bring hope and peace to someone that needs it very badly. A prayer that is shared. Um, last, was it two years ago when we were at Brewfest, um, we were passing out koozies and water. And I mean, that's all we do is pass out koozies and water and tell people hello. And someone came up and she was like, I don't have time for this. And I was like, okay, that's fine, you know, great. So later she came up to me and she said, um, so I have time to listen to your spiel. What is that? And I said to her, because as a church, people are expecting us to lay out all of these things. And I just said to her, we just want you to know we love you. And would you like a koozie? And for her, I think that was a huge point in changing her mind because the look on her face, her whole demeanor changed to me. That's all we want to do is spread God's love through this community. It, you don't have to, when you volunteer at all of these places, be able to give the, lay out the, the uh, salvation and do all of this and tell. You don't have to know all of these scriptures. You just have to know that you have God's love in you and you want other people to see it. And we can't do those things without the funds. Um, things cost money. Exactly. Ditto. I mean, it, it yeah. costs money. It costs money to set up at Barcher. You know, it costs money to set up at Brewfest, to rent a space and all of that. And it's important you get a blessing out of it as well. So 2020 obviously canceled a lot of these festivals and events that we usually partner with. Um, but we're planning on going back to them next year. We've got a lot of exciting things we've talked about. What's one of the things that you are most excited for to do either brand new or to go back to next summer or spring? Put them on the spot. Yeah. My favorite is Brewfest. Yeah, I love Brewfest because as a church, we're showing up in places that people don't expect the church to be. 
And when you're doing that, you're seeing people and you're letting people know you're vulnerable too. You're, you're off, you know, out of that church realm. And so it makes you as a Christian look more vulnerable and also more people will, will talk to you and you can cultivate more friendship that way. My first brew fest a couple years ago, somebody came up to me and they were really disgusted. I said, why are you guys here? You shouldn't be here. And I said, well, why not? My church would never be here. I said, why not? Well, this isn't a place where Christians should be. And that, it was really hard not to laugh. See, everything we do as a church is about being in the community and it's never ever gonna become about this building or us and kind of pulling away. It's always, how do we just be where people are and remind them that they're loved? Thank you guys for sharing, I really appreciate that. And thanks for letting me put you on the spot too. If you came prepared to give today, either in person with cash or check or online at thepointknox.com, or if you would like to make a special gift above and beyond to help us reach our goal of $30,000 extra raised, uh, you can do both of that now in the popcorn buckets in the back of the room or uh, online at pointknox.com. However you give, it's not to get God's love, but because we have it. And now one of my favorite parts of our gathering every Sunday is the time where you guys ask questions and I get to do my best to respond. So if you can, if we can hear you through all can of those bows. Can you hear me? Cool. Cool. What questions came in today? Okay. We have three questions and a comment. So first question, um, did biblical Christmas happen in December? And or does it really matter if we celebrate it outside of its actual historical date? Great. Did it happen in December? Probably not. In fact, almost most certainly not. Uh, why was it chosen on the 25th? Well, because there was a really big pagan holiday that was happening at this time. And the church said, hey, here's a great opportunity to be culturally sensitive and recognize something that people are doing and help them see Jesus in what they're already doing. So does it matter if we celebrate it on the 25th? No. But for a millennia plus, probably more like 1,800 years, it's been celebrated about this time, so why not? <laughs> um, the sales are better if you celebrate it now. Um, okay. Those are two weeks ago. We missed that. <laughs> At the start of your sermon during the candle lighting, you said something to the effect of, we look forward to the return of Jesus and his peace. Yeah. I thought the second coming was typically associated with fire and judgment and only peace after this judgment. Why do you say that Jesus will bring peace? Shouldn't our experience of receiving the Holy Spirit be one of fire and judgment rather than peace? Oh, that's a great question. A couple of great questions. So I've said this before that uh, there are a few different ways the church historically has understood the return of Jesus. But one thing that they've had in common, even as they've differed on how he's going to come back, uh, the church has always believed that when Jesus comes back, it will be good. And we should celebrate it. And so they've usually ended the service with a prayer, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because it's our hope that when he comes, he will restore everything that's broken. He'll make all that is not good, good. In my kids' uh, children's Bible, it says he'll make all the sad things untrue. And I really like the way that's pictured. And so it is true, when he comes, there will be peace. And there will be joy and hope and love and all the good he's promised. Now to that part about the fire and judgment, he will come to judge the living and the dead. And there are people who are living who think that he's not loving. 
And when he comes and they're living as if they don't want him or need him, they will miss out on the joy he's bringing and there will be judgment that's not good. And so for those of us who are in Christ, who've been given faith and baptized and brought into this community, it is our hope and our joy that every time we face hardship, we can say, come quickly, Jesus, we know you're gonna make it right. And at the same time, Every time we see our world around us, people who don't know his love, we should be compelled to move in love and peace and joy and say something great is coming and I don't want you to miss. Let me tell you all about him. All right, um, next question. Would Mary have known all the history spoken of in the Old Testament? Would she have realized that she was the virgin the prophecies spoke of? Yes. Um, would she have known the Old Testament? Absolutely. Uh, they lived in a culture that their entire identity was centered around the Word of God. Unlike our culture today, where we kind of have this marginal understanding of it, everything they did was shaped by what does God's Word say. And so would she have known of those prophecies? Absolutely. Uh, did she know that she was the fulfillment? I can imagine at some point when she's like, well, I'm a virgin and now I'm pregnant, like, maybe she put the dots together, maybe not. Um, clearly, in the life of Jesus, they struggled to put the dots together. And as Jesus often talked about who he was, they misunderstood him. And his, his mother and brother even come to him at times, like, Jesus, stop saying the things you're doing. And he's like, I, who is my mother and brother? Everybody who believes in God's word and does it. So even as she did understand, she didn't understand perfectly. All right, we have one comment and then another question did come in, but it'll be quick. Cool. Um, so this is referring to, I think, what you said at the beginning of um, our time together. I get put in the nonchalant or no big deal category a lot, and it's not fair. Just because my face may sometimes be uncovered doesn't equate to my being indifferent or in denial of the existence of disease. I do have some problems, serious problems, with our nation's hype machine, mostly because it is manipulative. I don't live on this side or that side or in some state of intentional neutrality. I live in the real world. I love, I serve, I discern, I fall, I forgive, and I rest. I am encouraged to test every spirit and to be aware of what is happening around me by paying attention to all of it. And hopefully I do so with wisdom and without fear. Great. I fully support that. Uh, I don't think that you have to wear a mask to be loving. That's why there's also other things you can do, like choose to try to limit your social bubble to minimize how many people you interact with. Choose to keep a, a physical distance between you and someone else, especially when you're not wearing a mask. There's a lot of ways you can love, and it's wise and good to be discerning. Not everything in this world is good, and we should know that. At the same time, not everything is a deep hidden conspiracy out to get you because you're Christian. So, living in the middle is gray, it's muddy, it's not always easy. Some days it may go great and some days not so much. Our effort as Christians should be to strive to love our neighbor and bring them peace. And that may look different depending on who your neighbors are. In fact, I was speaking with somebody yesterday who said it's really challenging because when we gather in small groups and small settings at a distance, there's this awkwardness like, how do you feel about our gathering? Can I hug you or shake your hand or should I not say hello whatsoever? And it's true, it's an awkward time to be alive. That's okay. Just be open and honest and have conversations and do your part to try to love the people around you. 
And it's okay if the way you love looks different than what people expect. Just can be considerate of what they're thinking and feeling as well. Last question. Can I come to the movie night even if I don't have kids? I mean, I don't see why not. Um, just make sure your Christmas pajamas are kid appropriate. When <laughs> uh, we do have registration on thepointknocks.com, so I yeah. do appreciate signing up. Yeah, sign up so we can know. I and uh, I don't have kids. And that'd be great. But yeah, you can come if you don't have kids. As long as you aren't like going to hate on kids and think kids are <laughs> terrible, then it's probably not for you. No hating children. All right. Yeah. That is it. Excellent. Well, as always, you can continue to text in your questions during the week. That number is available at thepointknocks.com, and we will do our part to respond either on Wednesday with Point Leftovers on Facebook, or we'll respond next Sunday to your questions. So before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he give you his peace. And may he look upon you with favor. Yeah, I finally goofed it up again. You are all loved. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.